Hello and welcome to episode 190, almost there Dave, of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Shane here in Denver, Colorado. With me on the line from Chicago, Illinois, it's the one and only godfather, Dave Harbarger. Short intro this week. Yeah, right. I mean, we we don't have a Stanislav. He is having his his house blew up. I think the the painters broke his electricity. I don't know how that's possible, but they pulled that off. Painters, send us emails. Explain how you could break electricity. Let us know. Painters, get at us. Sponsor our podcast. Yep, yep. JB Licked. I know you. You're listening. Uh, maybe Ben Moore. I'm, we, we like a Ben Moore. <laughs> ben Moore sponsor our podcast, or at least become a patron. I know you listen, Ben Moore. I'm a I'm a bear man. I like my tutu paints. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. See, see, combining the topics of painting and Magic: The Gathering, Dave. That's right. Tutu paint. Oh, bears! My goodness. Yeah, I, my goodness. When you said combining things, I just imagined Captain Planet for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is. Of course, just the two of us. So it takes two to make a thing go right. Yeah. Or this podcast. Mm-hmm. It makes makes this podcast go right, at least. So Dave, what are we doing on this week's show? Well, it's been a week since we... It's been a couple of weeks since we did an episode because we took off for Labor Day. And so what we're going to do is we're going to check in on the impact of Dominaria United on our formats. A lot of modern talk, a little bit of pioneer talk. This is This is way more than I thought we were going to have. I started doing notes like uh, Saturday before we had even, so we, you know, we, we missed last week. So we have the third and the fourth challenges from last weekend. And then of course we had this weekend's, but when I was doing my notes to start, I only had the first two and I was like, dang, I got a lot of notes already. And then we just added more as the Saturday and Sunday challenges from this week rolled in. So there's a, there's a lot happening in both modern and pioneer and by extension i imagine explorer we're not going to talk about that this week because just talking about the paper formats this week i think that's just the way to do it because there's so much there and as we know of course explorer is just trying to be pioneer one of these days exactly and we wouldn't have it any other way it's been like f- five months since since new cards came out so we're happy to have some things change yeah this is great because so. like frequently you know it's just like you know uh, maybe one card is showing up here and there but i think there is a surprising number, not not entire, I think there's a few game changers, but I think there's also just some cards that are going to be interesting role players, interesting options, and I do love optionality. I mean, of course, we see that early on where we're going to see people experimenting with new cards, but if we do have legitimate options in certain spots and certain decks, I think that that's cool. That's people have different options for different metagames, different uh, environments, so that's cool. And we'll get into all that after housekeeping. So start off with the new patrons this week. Uh, of course, a week off means we have two full weeks of new citizens to the Dive Down Nation to shout out. So we have Hinahara, House Dad, Chris H, Joe S, Dean, Nick, and Mark R. And we that have, is a lot. Thank you so much for coming to support us, everybody. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's awesome to have new faces in uh, the definitively discreet Dive Down Discord. We have to thank Bryce B for increasing uh, their tier. Get into that playmat tier, Bryce, I noticed. So that'll be sent your way soon. We have no new reviews, but we would love to hear from you on Apple Podcasts. Throw us some stars on Spotify. You know, We love feeling good about ourselves. And more importantly, be able to read out all your fun reviews uh, in the episodes. Absolutely. And so if you'd like to 
support us. And if you'd like to get into the definitively discrete Discord server or get a play mats, uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash the dive down, patreon.com slash the dive down. Dave, don't forget, we sent out 107 deck box packages. We actually sent week. out more than that for what it's worth. So I believe I, I could check in pirate ship right now to see, but I believe that all the packages have been delivered for people who were uh, patrons who were only getting deck boxes in this round, which totaled yeah. 107 packages, like Shane said. Uh, there oh, yeah, were, Stan sent some out. Yes, yeah, Stan with... sent out packages to people that w- were needed to have both playmats and boxes. And I have a handful of people I'm behind on who are newer patrons, newer citizens who need all the swag, including deck boxes. So that'll be coming your way ASAP. And then we will be somehow all, ca- all caught up. It better be ASAP, Shane. I sent out 107 packages by myself. Dave, do you, do you want to see the total number of packages I've sent out from, from Denver, Colorado? It's quite a few. I bet it's less than 107. No way. Anyway. We do have one more thing. Yeah, what's that? One other thing that we didn't mention. We launched a new website stealthily in the middle of the night uh, over Labor Day weekend. We have a new website that thedivedown.com is now directing to. So if you're ever curious about our codes, which we're going to read out in a minute for our sponsors, if you would like to see a nice place where you can see the most recent episodes that we have, if you want links to Stan's Polygon Archive, if you would like to contact us, if you would like to see the archive of episodes, you can go to thedivedown.com just to have a look around and uh, maybe learn a little bit more about us. We'll be adding content to that over time and maybe some other fun things that you should be checking out soon that we constantly hint about, but those days are probably coming. So divedown.com, check it out. This, this is good. This is a really good website. Looks sick. It's a great overhaul uh, and good work, Dave. They've put a lot of work into this. Anyway, uh, you can also help support us by going to Mana Traders, using them for your online Magic the Gathering rental needs. Use code THEDIVEDOWN15. If you're making a new account, you get 15%, excuse me, 10% off your first two months. Number doesn't make any sense anymore, but the product sure does. It's the best way to rent Magic Online cards, and we've been using them for a long time now. So thanks, Mana Traders. And you want some paper cards? You can head on over to Nerd Rage Gaming. You know our relationship with them. We want to support them. They want to give our listeners a coupon code. So Dive8, D-I-V-E-8, gets you 8% off of your order of cards from Nerd Rage Gaming. So Dave. Okay. No break. No events. We're doing this new school. Well, this is, this is we're basically going to talk about the events, the event decks people care about. We've got a lot of the old, old decks. I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll tell you, I looked at a lot of challenges doing these, you know, typing these notes up and I'll tell you what's there in modern. There's a lot of Merktide. There is a lot of hammer. There is a lot of creativity. There's a good amount of uh, living end. There's some four color control. There's starting to be some scam, right? Oh, scam yeah, is popping scam. up. Scam took first and second place in Saturday's challenge, I think the 10th. So, you know, these are the decks that are here. You know these decks. They didn't get a lot of new cards, although uh, one or two of them did. We'll talk about those. And Pioneer, you have a lot of the same decks too. So it's just, it's stuff you know, but stuff is changing slightly. And there's some some new faces in there, which we'll be getting into. So there's our breakdown. And straight into the dive down, we've got the impact of Dominaria United. And we'll start with our uh, probably favorite format. I'd say, and that is modern. For sure. What card is on everybody's mind, Shane? I mean, that's the one to start with. Leyline Binding. Yeah, we probably knew it. 
I think everybody yeah. kind of knew that this would be the card that would make the most impact in a lot of places. But in modern, it's made the most impact immediately, or at least it's been added to what seems like the biggest number of decks. For sure. And we have, you know, things like even players like uh, Ryan Donkin tweeted out what two days ago something like leyline binding does to prismatic ending what prismatic ending did to path to exile uh we'll see if that is hyperbole or not but leyline binding i mean you probably know what this is if you're playing modern right now it's if, i'll just read it because it's the most important card i think it's a it's a flash enchantment that's five and a white shane that sounds bad Oh, wait, it has domain, and it costs one generic less to cast for each basic land type along lands you control. And when it ETBs, you exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Leyline Binding leaves the battlefield. All so, permanents. All permanents. And it has flash. And it has flash. And it cheats on costs. Weird. Weird that it's good in modern. Weird that that's good, and weird that also uh, the decks that it goes into don't care about that. Are, are actually, it's a benefit that it has a uh, CMC of six. Yes, yes. At least uh, in the first couple, but we'll see. For sure. So, Dave, you want to talk about some of the, the first decks that we're seeing this in? I mean, the first place that we pretty much knew it was going to show up and where it did show up is Rhinos. We talked oh, about it on the straight to, straight to Rhinos. I'll huh? start with Rhinos. Why not? Sure. Rhinos came in eleventh place with a sixty card deck by Young Dingo on the challenge on September third. So this is a couple weeks ago now. Yeah, came the very first challenge. Twentieth place in that same challenge in a five color Yorian deck. Uh, your Rhinos deck piloted by Doomwake. As we know, Doomwake loves your Rhinos, but I think that was the deck that everybody thought it was going to be in first. But don't stop there. There's a bunch no. of other decks that it showed up in as well. Yeah, Four Color Elementals featuring Yorian uh, by Caprioso finished second that challenge. And then a few Four Color Control decks in that those early challenges on the third. It's already seeing And then on Sunday, we start seeing it in a second place Four Color Creativity deck with an extra Black Pip Triome uh, by Ziangukai. And then we had more four-color control, a four-color 60-card Rhinos deck in that Sunday challenge. And then, interestingly, we quickly saw a new five-color 60-card Rhinos build piloted by Swamby Galad. I'm sure that's terribly pronounced, but wow. Swamba Galad, I don't know. Uh, th but this, so this five color mana base, I'm just going to talk about this deck for a while because this is the deck people picked up on. Yeah. So let's, so there's all these things that are going on with this, right? Yeah. Like Doomwake's trying some stuff. And like the first build that I remember seeing from Doomwake was only getting to four colors and was like, yeah. I don't care if Leyland Binding costs two, it's fine. And then you saw people go, no, we're going to go ahead and push all the way into including black in our decks, but we're going to make it 80 cards to be able mm -hmm. to feel less bad about doing that. And so we can fix our <laughs> yeah. mana and all kinds of, all kinds of stuff like that. And then like Shane is saying, this deck is the deck that's sort of caught on for a minute. So it's 60 backs to 60 card rhinos. Mm -hmm. And what's so cool about it. So this deck didn't blow the doors off. It finished in 32nd place, four and three in the challenge. I mean, that's no slouch, but it's not like the deck everyone's going to take notice on, but we do see this quickly become essentially the new build that people start testing with. And this has a five color mana base. It relies on two triumphs that have not previously been played in Rhinos. It has Xander, Xander's Lounge. Dave. Xander's Lounge. Thank you. The Grixis Triumph and the Indatha Triumph, which is Obzon. 
Yep. So what you're telling me is that this deck that previously its turn one play was quite often to go and get Catria Triome yes. is no longer getting Catria Triome because it's not <laughs> no, it's, decked it's, suddenly. Yeah, I mean, this deck is still teamer based with a little bit of a white splash. But yes, your your primary triumphs in the deck uh, are not really designed around uh, getting you just teamer mana. And the way this really works is that Xander's Lounge plus Temple Garden or Indatha Triumph plus Steam Vents immediately gets you to your five land types on turn two, which then opens up an early Leyline Binding, of course, or a Scion of Draco. What? Sci- I thought yes. that card was only in Calibrated Blast. What are we doing? Yeah, so, uh, Scion of Draco, full playset, if you forget, is a 12-mana, 4-4 flying artifact creature. Shane, that sounds bad. Uh, it also has Domain. It reduces the casting cost by two mana for each basic land type you control. So that means with proper fetching, you can cast this on turn two. And if you are a Rhinos player or a a Rhinos uh, hater who just knows everything about Rhinos but doesn't like to play it, it's a really big deal for Rhinos turn two. As it's formerly, I think, been one of the weaker turns of the deck, and this is where I wish we had Stan here to uh, to check check my feelings here. But like, all you're really hoping to do on turn two is like get some value out of your ice, uh, maybe cast a stomp on a relevant creature. But what Scion does is change your options here. It allows you to present a really powerful and relevant threat on turn two, and that then leaves you open to then cascade on turn three while you're making your opponent have to make a decision on what they're going to do with this 4-4 flyer that they're facing down. So it stresses their removal it requires like a delirium to unholy heat or some other kind of powerful removal to take care of this. So, you know, prismatic endings, not hitting this lightning bolts, not hitting this. You have to have like a terminate. You have to have a ley line binding. You have to have an unholy heat with delirium. Like I said, so those are the things that uh, you're immediately placing some kind of pressure on your opponent and doing something relevant on getting, giving another relevant option. Cause you know, ice is perfectly relevant, but having more options is better. Along with just having the ability to cast a Leyline Binding if you want. Right. So fundamentally, what this deck does is it adds a second threat and adds a more efficient removal spell in the form of these two domain cards. And since they enable each other, it means that you're not just fetching your mana base or messing your mana base up in order to turn Leyline Binding on, right? Like, that's the idea. Yeah. I mean, interestingly... You, you kind of are messing your mana base up in a little bit of a way because what you're doing is you're now playing, of course, 12 shocks because you want just, excuse me, 12 fetches because you want more uh, ways to get your shock your, your shocks and your triomes that you know, are color relevant and get you to the domain mana that you need. It's a lot harder sometimes to have like double pips because you're getting kind of these off-color uh, triomes again, and your shocks don't necessarily overlap quite as much. You don't necessarily want to be fetch shocking as as much as you you know, to to lower your life total. That's not really great for you. So the mana base feels pretty good, I will say. But I do think that there are some iterations here. This deck's only running twenty three lands, which feels a little bit low. But the deck operates at a low mana count pretty well. So I think there's a little bit of tweaking here. So you've talked about why. So we talked about some of the mana stuff talked about why sign of Draco is good. You haven't talked about what what Leyland Biting feels like in Rhinos, (laughs) like how, how it compares to, so what cards are gone? Why don't we talk really quickly about what cards are gone before we talk about Leyland Binding? 
Okay, so in this deck, we have no Brazen Bower. One in the side, at least. Yeah. In this one, yeah, future builds um, have removed it, and they're running a few, a, a different sort of meme card, like in Unmorgued Ego. Okay. Which is kind of like just sort of a good anti-combo, like maybe anti-creativity, anti-living uh, end, stuff like that. Maybe maybe Titan, something like that. Or, you know, if it's a namesake deck, then it's never necessarily bad to have an unmoored ego. So it, it's, it shaves on those. It's also adding three to Fairy Time Raveler. Uh, so it has to find more room for that. So then it has no other elementals besides just the four of Fury. So there's no kind of maybe one or two of Endurance. There's no one or two of Main Deck Subtlety. They're losing, like I said, all the Brazen Borrowers. And no Bone Crusher Giant is left in the deck. There's no space for that, those ones anymore. So this makes sense because you know, Leyline Binding is serving a lot of the purpose that uh, Brazen Borrowers Petty Theft spell would provide which what's not a bounce it's like actual sort of you know enchantment based removal and then teferi time raveler in a lot of ways i think is still in a testing phase uh, not to get in the weeds on the deck but i think you know it, this could be something that's like fable of the mirror breaker this could be one or two of like ardent plea if you just want more cascade effects so i think but teferi is so good in a lot of ways in that it does give you a bounce it does give you uh, the ability to work through counter magic a lot more strongly, so that gives you more. It gives you more of a clear path to, let's say, cascade with Shardless Agent when your opponent's a control deck or something like that. So, so that's, that's what's missing. That's, yeah, that's what's missing, and then also a couple lands are missing. Like it's typically a twenty-four or sometimes twenty-five land decks, and so this deck is shaving on those to make some more room. So, yeah, notably, I'm seeing that you know you all were talking a couple of weeks ago about rhinos having. 25-ish lands in it for two Boseju and two mm -hmm. Odawara. Right now, you only have one of each of those in this particular build. You've got yeah, the weird again, triomes. Leyline Binding does does the work, right? And Teferi Time Raveler does some work, and you still have your bounce effects like Dead Gone and your tap effects like Fire Ice and, and things like that. So I think that you know, and of course, it has the one of Odawara for your get-out-of-jail type card. So I think that you know, it's still a little bit experiment experimentation phase but yeah it's definitely hedging more uh on being able to lean on leyline binding and teferi and just present threats with like sign of draco versus having interactive elementals or interactive uh adventure cards like brazen and bone crusher so should we talk about leyline binding yes now we're ready to talk about the table is okay. set we knew it was going to be good how <laughs> how good is it uh it's great it's it's I played a good I played a, a good handful of matches with Menino Nays build actually, which is I think the exact same build, but it has a, like I said the unmoored ego, not unmoored. Is it unmoored ego? Like the the face spell, like the necromancia effect. In, yeah, yeah, okay. the one that costs three. Yeah, got it. Yeah. So it's you know castable with flash for as little as one mana in this deck is just bonkers, and like the most important thing rather than just the mana utility here is the mana efficiency at least, is that unlike the tempo hoops that you formerly had to jump through to like profitably use a bounce effect from like your Brazen Bower or your Gone or your Ottawara, like Leyline just removes the problem fairly permanently. And so like in my testing I'm using this to solve problems that like a bounce would never permanently help with. Like things as small as like an expedition map, like you're on the play, your opponent, uh, you you know you 
you fetch up a triome and then turn two, you get a tapped shock and then you just take care of their expedition map that they are relying on to make, you know, to make Tron or something like that. And they're just like, well, uh, I hope you don't have another one, but usually you don't because you mold to five or something like that for your, your Tron plan. And, you know, or as large as like a primeval Titan or a Merktide regent or something like that. So it gives you the flexibility on mana and the flexibility on targets and the more or less permanence of the enchantment based removal rather than have to sort of be, okay, I can bounce at this turn and then I untap and I cascade and hopefully that's good enough. Right. And the big thing there, of course, too, is that it costs them a card in most cases to get rid of Leyline Binding, where with the bounce effect, yes. it, it didn't. So even yeah. if even if they immediately get rid of Leyline, they had to spend some kind of resources to do it, which they may not have had to do with a bounce. Instead of, yeah, instead of a tempo play, it's a removal spell. And that's something that, you know, if you've looked at the removal spells that this deck has tried to play, like Stomp is not great removal. And you know what I mean? And like, Dead is fine, but it doesn't take care of any not land permanent. And so that just does a lot of work. And the mana here is interesting to enable this. It makes double pip spells a little bit more challenging. Uh, so like you're not going to run your endurance or your brazen bar necessarily. It makes you vulnerable to blood moon. So I'm curious, uh, you know, of course, maybe you can float some white mana to cast your ley line binding with flash, but you know, you can fetch basics early if you fear blood moon, but th this deck is really leaning heavily on these domain effects right now until the metagame potentially decides to adjust, if it's forced to adjust, but I don't know if that will be the case or not. I mean, I do think it's interesting if you want to talk about it from a metagame perspective, like the fact that if Leyline Binding becomes so good that everybody starts getting really loosey-goosey with their mana, is there suddenly some kind of incentive for decks for Blood Moon decks to get more prominent or, or better, even, you know, because we do see a number of decks that were already being pretty loose with their mana, thanks to, yeah. thanks to Renin Six, thanks to all their needs that they have, like wanting to run Leyline Binding. I don't know, maybe there's an opening there. I mean, I'm all for it, because then that just lets me sleeve up the Teamer Rhinos. You know what I mean? I get, to, I get to play both versions of the deck I like. I think... Importantly, another thing that this deck is trying to do, and perhaps not importantly, but I think interestingly, there's a funny new addition to the sideboard in a card I did not know existed, but just continues down the road of, hey, uh, Rhinos only wants to cheat on mana. It's Kasali Ambusher, which is a one green and a white, two, three with reach, cat warrior, shame that sounds bad. Uh, if a creature is attacking you, and you control a forest and a plains, you may play Kasali Ambusher without paying its mana cost, and as though it had flash. So you, you think you see obvious applications of this, where uh, on turn one, you could take care of like a Swift Spear, you can take care of a Goblin Guide by just fetching a, uh, even a tapped in Temple Triumph or Temple, Temple Garden. Garden. Yeah, and then yeah. you just, you know, just flash this thing out. And yeah, I probably would get the uh, Indotha Triumph, I suppose. And then you just have a two, three blocker, uh, that surprises them. So, you know, funny stuff. Uh, I, I don't know how if this is cute or good. I didn't really have a chance to use this card, but I can see the applications and it seems fun. It doesn't seem particularly like the most important thing in <laughs> no. the metagame right now, but it is a cool piece of tech that and a card that somebody dug up that's pretty interesting, I think. So, cool. For sure. I mean, yeah, or, or you get, you know, you can catch a Ragavan out like if they do something silly. So it makes, it just makes people have to live in fear of it, I suppose which is always a good thing to do in like a tempo-y type deck. Yeah, I mean, I think for now, people are just going to live in 
not knowing that it exists, especially if you go to your LGS with this card. But yeah. uh, we'll see. You know, maybe maybe it'll lead to some kind of weird renaissance. Free spells can be good, right? And this is still <laughs> a free knew? spell. And Soimba Galad's deck has had a big influence already. Like grinders like Menino Ne, who's a you know big NTGO player, states that stated that they were winning like an absurd clip. Like I think it was like sixty something and eight in their matches. Like Menino Ne just plays all day. I think that's like their full time gig. So yeah, that's an absurd win rate. And uh, and they I did see that they had five trophies like this past weekend. So they are definitely uh, winning with something. And I, I mean, ultimately, I think this pushes Rhinos back up a good amount. Like, I think the deck just gets some really great options here. It just leverages the mana cheating as well as a deck possibly can, I think. Instead of elementals, it's focusing on, like, you know, the unconditional non-land removal and the two-mana 4-4 flyer that just dodges removal with Scion. But I think we you saw another build, right, Dave? Well, I mean, I was going to say, I, I don't think we want to try to make it sound like this is necessarily where everybody is going with the deck, even with people that want to play Leyline Binding, right? Like, it does seem like there's a lot of momentum around this idea of getting the extra threat in the deck, having, having Leyline Binding in there. But there's some other kind of Rhinos Masters, notably Archaeus Dota, who is a well-known uh, Magic Online player. Some people say that they're one of the best rhinos players in the world who posted a paper tournament that he won uh over the weekend that's a different take on binding 60 card binding uh rhinos and it has uh no science in it and in fact in the comments uh below this in this twitter th thread our case was even kind of like no science terrible don't play it so it's a different take on this deck that is much less afraid of the mana problems i think some kind of wild stuff. I mean, this deck is running a full play set of Dead Gone and a full play set of Fire and Ice. It's not running Teferi. It's not running anything other in white other than four Leyline Binding, and it's also running two Ardent Plea if you're splashing into white. So it's upping the number of Cascade spells that it has to 10 out of the 60-card deck, which is interesting. I mean, all these cards are kind of bad, right? All the Cascade cards are kind of bad, but having a, a, an enchantment in play that just says Exalted maybe isn't the worst, worst thing in the world sometimes, especially if you're just going to end up attacking with, um, you know, if only one Rhino survives. Arceus also has a single Murktide Regent in his main deck as, as his alternate threat, which is pretty interesting, and one copy of Prismari Command. So the deck is pretty different from the the other ones i think in the sense that it still has a lot of the kind of like really cheap tempo based removal and went with a different suite of triumphs even in indatha triome and rafine's tower so doing the esper one instead of the grixis and is indatha jeskai indatha is the the Abzan one it's the oh green, yes that's green white yes. black one Thank so you. both of these are both of the triumphs have white in them is the idea here yeah. and there's no other oh, and there's a temple garden as well so yeah yeah one thing i did feel like i, I kind of wanted a little bit more access to white mana when i was playing just so i could like i mean but how frequently are you really double ley line binding like you know it happens but i think one or two pips in the deck is likely enough so yeah i mean this is this is one it probably wanted to go lay, I mean, obviously it's wanting to go ley line binding into ardent plea is yes, what it's really trying to do there. Sure. But the spiciest thing of everything here is that Archaeus Dota is not off Blood Moon. <laughs> Archaeus yes. Dota has three Blood Moons, Blood Moons in the sideboard, and it's basically just saying, "I don't care." Yeah, I mean, I, if you know, I will if play you, know you have it. it, you can play around it. 
Yeah, it's and maybe you take off the get. It's not that hard just to get your two basics, and then everything else is a mountain. Who cares? Yeah, and maybe you're really easily swapping back into the into the teamer version here. You take out binding, you take out Arden Pleat, you bring in Blood Moon, and you bring in maybe Endurance or something like that, depending on what the other cards in the matchup are. And then you're, you know, you have slightly worse mana than you had before, but you're still pretty close to the deck that it was a, a little bit ago. Yeah. All right. Well, we spent a lot of time on that, uh, but so let's let's. Where else are we seeing Leyland Binding? I, we lots saw it in, and lots yes. of places. Yes, five color creativity, four color control, Niv Delight in some prelims. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just really easy to drop into these four color control decks, these five color creativity decks. They're they're already quite good, and I think this makes these decks better, probably. Yep. Yeah, I think it makes all of these decks better. And having creativity suddenly have access to a good, solid removal spell like this, I think is also huge. Creativity, general, at least when I played it four or five months ago at this point, because time flies, um, was relying a lot more on kind of stack-based removal stuff. So you would have Lightning Bolt, but what you had that was supposed to really help you buy time was essentially you had Teferi, that helps, and also you had Remand. And I'm not sure what these creativity lists look like right now. I don't know if they're still running Remand as well. They very well might be. But having access to basically just a kill-everything removal spell without having to stretch very hard because you were already a five-color mana base, really, in this deck, you already had enough mana to be able to cast uh, Archon of Cruelty, for example, is probably huge, huge, huge for creativity. And then, you know, the wildest thing to me in some ways is that this card is starting to show up in Pioneer mm. as well, as kind of a parting thought here, in a format where you cannot fix your mana as efficiently as you can in Modern, of course. You can't fetch up a Triome. You can't, uh, you can maybe fetch up a basic land if you want to, if you want to be really wild and play something like Fabled Passage. But it's starting to show up in things like Five Color Niv uh, in pioneer and even in kind of a control domain pile uh, i saw jesse robkin friend of the show was playing one over the weekend in pioneer where she was trying to do play a bunch of the new domain cards uh including the wrath i think is the do other domain card that she had in her list but interesting stuff you know not not trying to i'm kind of surprised that it's even able to hang in this kind of format as well you never know oh it's not the wrath sorry it's the uh the the like sign in blood it's like the domain sign in blood that was in dominaria yeah i mean cards with the good i think we're gonna continue to see it have an impact and be experimented with i think creativity was already quite good and i think adding that i think is just going to make creativity continue to show up in the challenges like it has been you know there was there were five copies on sunday there were three on Saturday. There's three the weekend before. And, you know, just it's it's there. It's a thing. This is a card. Yeah. And, and a deck. This is a card. This, this is, is a card. A card. You like know what it. else is a card? Yeah, go ahead. The next one we have to talk about, the winner of the actual first challenge, I believe, after Dominaria was available. And that is Rundvelt Hordemaster. All across the Rundvelt. Here yeah. we are. That's a good card. What's it do? Uh, do I got to read makes, it? No, it makes okay, you make, it makes, it's a it's a two mana one one lord, and then if it, if 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 goblin you control dies, uh, you can pay red to. No, you don't have to pay red. You just flip over the top card, you exile the top card of your library, and you can cast it that turn. If it's a goblin creature card. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this won the first modern challenge. 
uh, yep. with the new cards on September 3rd. It just was like, hey, I'm here. First place. Deal with it. Now, tons and tons of conversation about this happened the first week of Dominaria Modern. And I know that people are even trying, again, to make this deck work. Not this deck, but make a Goblin deck work in Pioneer. I wish them luck with that. But the, the deck that we're talking about in Modern, of course, is the kind of weird mid-range value combo finish deck yeah. that is enabled by our friends Conspicuous Snoop, Bogart Harbinger, and Kiki Jiki, mm-hmm. right? And then a shell of all these powerful vo- uh, powerful value goblins outside of that. I, I wanted to call them Voblins there. Is that a, <laughs> is that a thing? Val- it's, a, it's, a, it's a Gerblins. Gerblins, yeah. Value it's Goblins a, is a, va- a Valbin. What were those little guys that came in the, like, cardboard cage? Were those, like, mob moblins? Like when we they were, were like, called you know, the moblins. Yeah. yeah. Did you have moblin. one of those? No, I always wanted one. I had one. Yeah, you had a moblin? It smelled, it smelled terrible. <laughs> I used to love to play with it, because the best part is that it had a little switch in the middle where you put your hand in. Yes. And it would move its eyes back and forth with the oh, switch, yeah. so it looked like it was like... It would like move its eyes from left to right, but your hand always smelled like terrible, like vinyl rubber, whatever you used it. So, uh, in yeah, Moblins, you know, Plato, uh, Plato Nguyen, uh, got first place on the third with some Moblins. And yeah, I, I watched just so I could get an idea what this deck is kind of doing right now. Like, I watched Mangucci play a yeah. league with the deck. And we are not gonna try to go deep oh, on no. how no. this deck works or all the different pieces of it. Cause this deck, if you have never tried this deck, we did an episode on it a long time ago now, but this deck is complicated and there are extremely opinionated people about yeah. what the build should be, whether Mog War Marshal is good. I've never seen so many people so hyped up about a card as in our Slack when this, when people are talking about whether we should be, this deck should be running War Marshal or not. Yeah, and no, we have we have no opinions on this deck. Besides that, when someone like Mangucci plays it, it looks really easy to win with. But uh, he even messed up once, like he didn't hold priority on Magic Online, which like made his what was it the I think the the Harbinger no the Sling Sling Gang it, Lieutenant like, somehow ex- it made the exit exile with and instead of sitting there for him to use it as the top of the yes yeah. He needed the whole priority, he said, I believe. And so he couldn't sacrifice all his goblins. But what he does instead is just like dig through his deck by sacrificing his own like tokens that he's been making. Yeah. Let me explain for a second. So what he did was he had got the combo all the way to the point where he had like 30 conspicuous snoops on the board. And he was like, okay. And then the last thing you do is you put the sling game lieutenant on the top. So he sacrificed a goblin to put the sling game lieutenant on top. And then he sacrificed a goblin to, to that ability to ping the person. And then that card disappeared to run vault the horde master i think is what happened exactly and that's exactly so he, what happened so he lost his ability to do it and so he was done with the combo right and he sat there and he was like how do i win and then he said it was one of the greatest moments i've seen on a video in a while i gotta say that's really impressive well just because Mangucci is the guy if you don't follow him on twitter the life of Andrea Mangucci is like a wonderful thing to just kind of experience through the window of social media. Cause he's so joyful about everything. It's all about like food and good times and like good magic. And like and, lightly cursing in Italian. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> the only reason I bring this up is because when he made this mistake, he went, Oh, I punted. And then he's like, Oh, I punted. And then he sits there for a second. And then he goes, 
well, do we have anything else in our deck to put on top? And he's like, no. And then there's a pause and he goes, we will find another way. That's what he said. <laughs> he just said, we will find another way. And I was like, yes. And he did. And like he conclusively, did. He, he just got to a beatdown win where he just, he like made a copy of another horde master, had enough like hasty, had enough goblins on the board just to like get enough damage through. And it's just like, man, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was very haste reliant somehow. I'm not quite sure how you made it work, but he did make it work. But the truth is, this Goblin's deck is the truth, I think, right now. I can't I don't know if there's been a build of this deck or maybe a time where this deck is potentially as good as it is right now. Because what happened was he started digging for answers, all aided by sacrificing conspicuous Snoop tokens to Prospector with his uh, Horde Master out. And he really did draw through his entire deck. He drew like 20 cards. Yeah, he had four cards left in library. Yes, and then put together the win. So if you've been wondering about what Horde Master does, it does absurd things to just make you be able to get through your deck, find the pieces you want, maybe make a bunch of mana via Skirk Prospector and just win and also make your team bigger if you have to attack. Yeah, you can copy it. Makes just make things big. Um, I even saw this in a Pioneer Goblins deck. It looked very, you know, different. It's more aggressive. Had featured even the, late, the latest Squee for another new card sighting as well. So that's an option. I've seen Squee a surprising number of times over the last week, I will say. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. I don't know how much of a thing, but... Okay, speaking of a card... That I'm also mildly surprised to see. In term, talking about Squee, not the uh, the Goblin Lord, Sarah Paragon. You 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 may have all doubted me on this one, but I, I said Sarah Paragon, best card in the format, already showing up in modern. So yeah, it's just Loris. You know, Loris at your friend's house, as our friends over at uh, uh, Mistress Babel were saying. So the third place deck on Sunday the fourth by Bebot Online, an Oswald Fiddlebender deck, ran a playset to, I think, apparently like rebuy important creatures or artifacts back out of the graveyard. I don't know what the Oswald Fiddlebender deck does. It's been on the fringe of the format for a while now, but third place is definitely like a legit showing here. I think a lot of it is an artifact searching deck, but it, it ends in a sort of the meek combo or at least has the option to end in a sort of the meek combo but i think you just have other ways to win as well yeah uh and sarah paragon also showed up in the 29th place deck on uh sunday piloted by grinder bob 49 so you know it's something interesting it's just like a zorius blink deck as like wall of omens and thraven inspector solitude sun titan charming prince you know more of the usual suspects in decks like this for march of the multitudes is that the march uh, no, not March of the Multitudes. You know, March. Otherworldly Light, is that it? Yeah, yeah it's Otherworldly Light. Uh, four to Fairy 3, Four Supreme Verdict. Also a temporary lockdown in the side, speaking of cards we're slightly seeing. So, I mean, I don't know. This isn't like changing the format, but I think it's definitely providing some off-the-wall decks an interesting option. I mean, it's a card that's really powerful and that I think people really want to play with. It's definitely making waves in Pioneer 2. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's cool. To see it? Where did you see it in Pioneer? I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly uh, look. I don't remember exactly, but I, I'm pretty oh, sure that content. I saw a deck that was trying to to make it happen. I think it was an artifacty deck as well. Yeah, like maybe sort of like an Emery type effect, maybe, where it's like you you know, four Emery's is not a lot, but four uh, four more Sarah Paragons can maybe get you there. Yeah, it's perfect content. Yeah, I love it. Dave, 
<laughs> this next pair of cards. Dude, I saw this deck and I was like, what What are we even talking about? This, this deck rules. I love it so much. Uh, Yotia Declares War and the Elder Dragon War are... Okay, so you, you do have to read these ones. Yes. I'm going to make you read these two cards. Oh, Lord. Okay, hold on. So, uh, Yotia Declares War, a read-ahead saga. I think the most important chapter here is the second one, which lets you tap any number of untapped artifacts you control. And when you do, it deals that much damage to target creature or planeswalker. And then the final chapter turns up to one target artifact you control into a 4-4 creature. The first chapter makes an Ornithopter token. Okay. Elder Dragon War, another read-ed. Chapter 1 deals 2 damage to each creature and opponent. Chapter 2 lets you discard any number of cards and draw that many. Chapter 3 creates a 4-4 Red Dragon creature token with flying. And... These were featured in the 21st place Sunday, the fourth challenge in the hands of Killer Sheep. 27th place on Sunday, the 11th by Xenowan. So this deck might have some kind of legitimacy. And this, if I think this, the way this deck works is it leverages Hex Parasite and Power Conduit, which are both cards that let you remove counters from a, perma- from a permanent. Mm-hmm. which effectively makes your saga stick on the board forever and then do the various chapters that you want to turn after turn. So this <laughs> lets so you just... Ridiculous. It's just so make good. four fours forever. Yeah, I mean, you can make four fours forever. You can uh, kind of sweep your opponents like small creatures. You can have a bunch of artifacts deal damage to target creature or planeswalker to keep the board clear. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it has other red aggression in the form of like Ragavan and Galvanic Blast and Bolt and Fable of the Mirror Breaker and so on. So that's applying pressure to the opponent in other ways and removing their creatures. And then you eventually, I think, just kill the opponent with the power of these sagas triggering in ways that they're not really intended to do. But Hex Parasite and uh, Power Conduit let you do it. Unbelievable. It's genius, really. It happens so fast, too. Just like the second challenge on the fourth. It's just, here I am. I love place, when baby. there's people just sitting around like waiting to put a yes. totally bonkers idea into the world, and it, then you're like, okay, cool, it works. I mean, you, you know, hex parasite, hex parasite is just like the kind of card that's just waiting to do something cool. So yes, yeah, it's worth noting that it costs it, it's what one mana to cast, and then the activated ability is cheap too, right? It's Phyrexian, so you can you can make it happen for very low mana cost. So yeah, I mean that's a cool cool set of car- cards there. So have fun, you wild and crazy players out there. One last card that we haven't talked about yet that has a little bit of play. Fodalian Hexcatcher. Yeah. It's uh it's a Merfolk, Dave. Sure is. Do we think it's good? Is it making Merfolk good again? I mean, it was fifteenth place and twenty-ninth place on Saturday the tenth. So that's that's two out of thirty-two. Perfect. I'll take it. Yeah, place that's a hex catcher. Good Merfolk. I will say one thing that's super funny is just how different Merfolk is from when we started playing Modern. It's like the same deck, but it's different cards. It's like almost every card is a different card now, but they still have Aether Vial and they still have Lords. Yeah, Lords. They but they don't have like Spreading Seas anymore. Do they have they Master have the, of the Master of the Third Waves still? No, they don't have Master of the Waves. They haven't oh, had no. that in a long time. Long, long, long time. Really? Um, yeah, they made yeah. so many little elemental guys. They have Sphelan of the Sea and Sky. Like they, there's just so many new Merfolk that have sort of one by one replaced the old standbys over time. It's it's funny to look at it. Yeah, they really. I'm glad that they really just want people to have their tribal support, and eventually it gets like good enough to you know be tier two, tier three, something like that. But Dave, let's 
take a quick break after all this modern chit chat and we will head back in to talk about kind of some of the potential misses and the pioneer cards so stay with us David. Shane. Leviathan's back. Leviathan's back. Leviathan's back. It is. So this is something that I remember seeing when I was looking at Barris Man before. And Leviathan sounds, uh, sounds really good. It sounds kind of up your, up your alley, Dave, because it's a, uh, you know, it's a Russian leather, coffee, sandalwood, and cedar. It's going to, it's, that's, that's of course a new Barrister and Man re-release coming up, uh, in September. It's going to be the shaving soap, aftershave balm, eau de toilette, bath soap, all the stuff that we like. And I think that sounds like a very good Davy one. What do you think? I mean, I, I think that sounds like a great one. I definitely, while I've been enjoying the ones that I have, would love to get a hold of a new one. So I, sh- I will check that out. It sounds like a good bath soap to me. Leviathan is on sep- September 20th. So that will be right after this episode drops a few days. And then another new one, uh, Mirror, Mirror Wood, but spelled funny. I don't know what Mirror is. Uh, I mean, I know what, you know, I know John Mirror and such, but this is, this sounds about my alley. Blackberry Vetiver, Balsam Resin, and Damp Air. Uh, again, in all of the the products, not the bath soap though. That sounds like a really good bath soap as well. Oh, interestingly, Will uh, told us that he's now also doing refill bars, which I think is really cool. You don't have to get the you know another plastic container. You just get the the block of soap, press it in your old plastic container, and I think that's that's good for you know environmental reasons. It's good for shipping reasons. It's it's just good. It's good for price reasons, I'm sure. So that's pretty dope. I'm hyped to see that happening. There, there's just a lot going on over here on, <laughs> on BearStreetMan.com. I'd like to say so. We hopped into to here, and uh, you know, Will asked us to talk about a couple of specific things. But what I want to say is, Will is working hard to improve Barrister and, and Man's customer experience in tons of different ways. New products coming, like Shane said, Leviathan. Other new sense. Um, there's a whole Q4 22 release schedule talking about what's going on the rest of the time. He's endeavoring to be more clear about what releases are going to be happening with people over time so they can kind of schedule and plan and know when new products are coming a little, with a little bit more reliability. Um, Shane mentioned the refill bars, which is extremely cool. And just to be clear what that means, it's shaving soap refill bars so you don't have to get a whole a whole piece of packaging, like Shane said, they are the size of the soap bars that they sell, is my understanding. So they're not like the whole puff. You just push it in and it fits. That's what he said. You just press Perfect. it down you push in it and it fits. But it allows them to ship them more uh, simply as well. So that's really great. They're also doing samples again. The samples are better. Yeah, where they're going to be able to give you a small sample of things to be able to, to, to send out to you if you'd like them. And they also launched a new website that they updated recently with a ton of different features to it. Uh, a lot of it around, including having a wish list. They're bringing lots of new things out over the next few weeks. They have a new nav yeah, menu. I'm uh, hyped for this. Like this so is, here, here's what I would say. Yeah. Will has all of this stuff on Barrister and Man's blog. There's three articles on their blog right now. They're called the Sample Conundrum, Q4 Plus 2022's release schedule, and what we're doing for the rest of 2022. You should go to the Barrister Man's blog if you're engaged with Will and, and the team over here. Give it a read. Learn, see the stuff that they're doing to try to improve you know, the ways that they want to try to serve you better 
as a great beauty fragrance brand, I guess. I was trying to figure out how to <laughs> say it. Skin, skin care fragrance soap shaving brand. Good stuff. So yeah, uh, we talked a lot about Barrister Rain Man. And with this Q4 release schedule, I honestly think I'm, I'm hyped to have this much stuff to talk about in the coming weeks and months. The holidays are coming up. Uh, start thinking about who you're going to buy stuff for, if not for yourself. And uh, yeah, if you use code the dive down 15 you get 15% off your first order over at barristerandman.com. Do you want to talk about the missing in action cards of modern that I didn't see anywhere? In or the just cards that are kind of missing in action generally. Yeah, generally. I mean, we, like, tried to split, we tried to split this into modern and pioneer, but... There's some overlap. Um, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Karn Silex, has, I've seen this maybe in one Karn wishboard of like every Karn deck. So I just, maybe people just think it's not fast enough. Like, I think we just thought it was a shoe in, but maybe it just does not fill any need that these Karn decks have, especially, you know, Mono Green in Pioneer is kind of our major sort of Karn deck that I would say, like our tier one Karn based deck. And just, I don't think this deck wins through using Karn Silex for like value. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, I mean there's the situations are hard to to do it, right? And you only get to um I think the situation is just difficult because it comes into play tapped. Yeah. So if you could like drop it and play it, it might be a lot easier for people to do it, but yeah, maybe not. It's still one of the most expensive cards in the set though, so I think that there's a lot of people really? who believe it's going to be good someday. It's like the 10th, you know, it's in the top 10. It's still over okay. $10 a, a copy. Is it a mythic or a rare? It's a mythic. Oh, okay. Temporary yeah, lockdown. I'm kind of surprised. It's like it's like a, a one of in like a few decks. Like it's not really as much as I would have expected. Even in modern, where it's like, you know, hammer is everywhere lately. Like hammer is really popular, and I just do not see people trying to use this card against that deck necessarily. Yeah, totally agree. I'm surprised that it's not around more more than it is for sure. And I don't even think it's been showing up in Pioneer that much quite yet. No, just like one or two ofs in the side, really, which is maybe all you need. Aether Channeler. Yeah. Not too much going on with Aether Channeler quite yet, although I think it's slotted well into the deck that Everett wanted to put it in, his Bant Soul Herder deck. Yeah. It's just nobody else is picking up that deck. That's a good point. It's not like breaking the deck wide open. It's just providing another really fun option, which is fine. Cards can be fun options. They don't need to like break formats open. Soul, Soul of Wind Grace. Yeah. Another Spike card. I, I, I've not. I haven't had time to watch Spike recently, so I don't know if he's doing anything with Soul of Windgrace. Like, I'm sure he's testing it. I'm sure he's probably played a league with it. He played it, I believe, on Friday of last week during the day and played at least three leagues in it because he posted up his record on Twitter and said that he was 13-2 and two well, that's the thing. with a Soul of Windgrace John Saga deck. That's showing up. Um, that looks really good, and it's is i'm bringing up his list right now you know it has three soul of wind grace in the top at the top of the curve it's got four ragavan and unholy heat two lightning bolt four thought seas two inquisition three fatal push it's got tarmogoy still red and six two tireless tracker whoa apparently good enough I to mean, make lands. it into this lands. right now you get a lot of lands you get a lot of value repaying the lands yeah and then also squee dubious monarch in this deck as well um, and I really do think, you know, he said in his tweet that he can't believe that they gave Goblin Rabble Master escape. Uh, escape. And honestly, it in the ra the couple of matches where I played against someone who had this deck, I actually played against a Jund list in Pioneer that had this card in it. And it was kind of like that. Like I started having to pay attention to their graveyard. I started trying to minimize their graveyard 
to get rid of Squee and, and all that kind of stuff just because it was a pain to have it keep coming back and, and doing this. I do think it's a little more like Legion Warboss than it is like Rabble Master itself because, you know, Legion Warboss doesn't get as big as Rabble Master used to, but still. Yeah, I mean, this is... Aspiring Spike and, like, mid-range value decks are like peas and carrots. Do you know what I mean? Where, like, he's just... That's just his wheelhouse is value decks, and I think that he can eke out uh, value with these kind of these kind of builds. And so I'm glad to see him doing well. I'm glad to see that a card he was hyped on is performing how he wants. So I'm curious to see if we'll have other mid range folks uh, take a look at this and start trying to win some challenges with it. Yeah, I mean, I will say that while we're talking about this card, Discord member Kyle popped in and was talking about how great a similar list had been for them over the last couple of weeks as well with uh, Solo Wind Grace at the top, same kind of thing, two or three of them at the top of the curve, really just rebuying Saga is kind of like the big thing. You just get to use Urza Saga over and over and over again. Fascinating. Haven't seen any Fountain of the Third Path, Inscribed no. Tablet, or World Spell yet either. Yeah, World Spell's not in any green devotion decks. Like you said, I just don't think it's what that deck's trying to do to win. And Inscribed Tablet is actually showing up less than I expected. I thought it would do it'd be in more decks where I thought it would just fit right in, like you know Tron style decks, Etron style decks. But maybe the value is not there. I think I've seen like one ofs and like a scattering of lists. But do you want to get Dave into the other perhaps most hyped card of the set? I do. Which card is that? Liliana the Veil. Fair Pioneer. Fair. It's doing things. I, I was thinking about a different card, oh, go but ahead. we'll talk about Which that one? one next. No, no, let's let's do Liliana the Veil. Because I think that, you know, I actually spent most of my time the past week playing Red Black Midrange in Pioneer. And uh, what can I say? It's Liliana the Veil in Pioneer. It's really good. It also feels like it's a really appropriate piece of the meta to me. Um, Red Black Midrange is super, super popular, of course, in, in Pioneer. It's probably the most popular deck still, something somewhere between that and Green Devotion. I think that it feels like it makes the deck a lot more solid and probably moves it up a little bit as far as overall matchups go. But it is it was a nice reminder that Liliana the Veil is a very specific tool and has plenty of weaknesses. And I actually think that while it has a lot of strengths, um, its weaknesses also kind of fit into the way the format works as, as well. I mean, the big thing is, it's a clear upgrade for me over a couple of different things in the deck. Like, we're cutting back a bit on um, things like Soren, the Mirthless. We're cutting back on some of the other kind of creatures to play Liliana instead. Um, and having the ability to drop something early, have, make them sacrifice a key creature is really powerful in a lot of situations in Pioneer, but it's not overriding against all the decks that are really good in the format right now. For example, even though that's really good, you know, one of the decks that's really on the way, has a huge up arrow next to it in Pioneer right now is Mono White Humans. Yeah. And like a card like Liliana is not that great against Mono no, White Humans because they just belch out their hands. You know, all of their creatures are four fives. And even if they aren't, they still have like one Thraben, uh, you know, what's the investigator called? Thraben Inspector. Investigator. Yeah, Thraben Inspector. They have one Thraben Inspector where they're like, yeah, fine, I'll just sacrifice that. So that's the kind of thing where you're like, oh no, this deck is really bad. But then you play against another mid-range pile, or you play against a deck that is a little more all-in on like a smaller number of threats, yeah. or even a, a deck that can't keep up with have, being forced to discard an extra card every turn, 
and you're just reminded what Liliana is really great for. And I, so I think that it really helps Rakdos out against something like it helps it helps against like mono green because you're making them discard extra cards when you're so you're kind of doubling up on the stuff that disrupts them you know occasionally you're 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 being able to use sacrifice to do something like that as well yeah i i think it just feels nice to ha- that there's a card like this that has a home again because it's such an iconic magic card but modern yeah. really has clearly passed it by yeah i mean it's just it's just a good card. Like I, I've I've watched a little bit of like misplaced ginger streaming with it like early on, and it just looked like it was doing a lot of work. Like even against a, a deck like mono green, because they might have just a few threats. They might have the, they might require like a card density to to get things done, and you just bring this card down, and you know it's you can edict their powerful things. It's you know along with your other removal. So I think it's just a dang good card like we saw it also in like even like a mono black sort of recursive aggro deck in 12th place i think on saturday uh grease fang is using it that's the other big place like i think every uh, people thought it was going to go into grease fang of course but having a card like this that can fit into a mid-range pile like what rakdos is and into a deck that's essentially a combo deck and help that deck have another dimension to it i think just shows how powerful it is and how this card just kind of really fits in pioneer right now right now yeah i think it i think it gets grease fang up to like a tier 1.5 tier 2 just based on prevalence already that we're seeing like it's just, it's just a lot more grease fang than i think we used to be seeing and i think it's it's people like that strategy it's a it's a somewhat broken you know combo it's it's pretty darn good yeah truthfully though when i was playing magic online in pioneer i played a lot of mid-range mirrors yeah and i played against a lot of mono white humans i hear that's so, basically what explorer is it's just red black you know rack does mid-range mirrors yeah. Yeah. I mean, there might be a little bit more incentive to try other things on Magic Online and like my matchups just rolled that way, but um I did fine in the kind of mid-rangey mirrors with with red black and even some of the other decks, but against mono white it, it's uh it's a it's rough sledding. And you can see why that deck is starting to sideboard like Caravac the Spiteful, which is just a creature that says, oh, other creatures get minus one, minus one. <laughs> it's a 3-2 for four that just says that on it, because it does it does help take it down a peg, but it's not um, it's not a perfect answer to that kind of like go-wide beef strategy yeah. that humans can kind of pull off. Always been the natural foil to Liliana decks. Yeah. Go-wide. Go-go-wide. But I thought that you were going to talk about this other card. Go that on. we were very on the fence about, but that everybody apparently loves and wants to play all over the place and that's shieldred the apocalypse i thought we were pretty i thought we were pretty good with this one i thought we just you know it's it's it has a cool effect we'll see it do something you know i think we're we were not we're not bashing it at least so yeah i mean i definitely immediately thought it was a cool card and also speculated maybe it could go in rakdos mid yeah and since we were just talking about Rakdos Mid and Pioneer, maybe we we should talk about it a little bit just in that context. It seems like everybody is trying it out as a replacement for Kalidus in Rakdos Mid right now. Yeah. And Shane, how do you feel about <laughs> not playing Kalidus? I mean... You love Kalidus. I, mean, I think Kalidus is very cool. Like, you know, Kalidus is just like a, a grindy card. And I think we're, we're seeing some splits here. Like, you know, the... 
the most recent challenge, we had, a, of course, a lot of Rakdos. The, the, some of the top performing decks were still with Kalidus, but then the ones right behind it, including like Misplaced Ginger, noted Rakdos Grinder uh, in just in ninth place with three Shieldred. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just two black, black, four, five, Death Touch. Whenever you draw a card, you gain two life. Whenever an opponent draws a card, they lose two life. Just like you said, it's just if this card sticks around and you know, you're you're likely attacking with it into hopefully an empty board that you've controlled. It attacks into a lot of stuff as a four or five death toucher. It blocks a lot of things as a four or five death toucher. So, you know, just keep that on the board for a couple turns. You have like an eight point life delta, and that's a big one. Yeah. I mean, the huge thing about it is you don't have to attack yes. to get the triggers to work. So you get it down. Um, we can talk about it in modern in a minute because I played with Shieldred in modern some too. But if you get it down in Pioneer, it's not the easiest thing to kill, you know, and you get some damage off of it without having to attack. You get some life gain without having to attack. It just kind of sits there and builds value for you, like you said. And against some decks, it's way, 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 way better than others, of course. Like against Phoenix, it's kind of hilarious because if you play out some of your bigger threats earlier, make them use their lightning axes on some of the other things. And then, you know, when they're about to go off, you drop Shieldred and they're just kind of like, uh, you know, I had someone trying to dig for an answer to Shieldred do 10 damage to themselves in one turn because they drew for their turn. Then they opted, then they cast treasure cruise, then they conceded. (laughs) (laughs) And all I did was play Shieldred and we were like, you know, 20, it was like, you know, it was pretty high, pretty high life totals at that game. It was probably like turn six or turn seven when this happened. And it just kind of locked the game down for me. And then, of course, like you said, being a four five, it does attack really well, a four five death touch. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, you know, I've played against Shieldred a couple of times as well. And it felt like there's just a lot of power to putting this card down. And, and when you, you know, you don't really want to like double block it. Because you can't get, you're going to lose two cards no matter what happens if you do try to double mm-hmm. block it. Yeah, it's cool. It's I think it has some some merit, and it's like you said, it's it's, it's seeing play in other formats. Did you, did you play the that this deck, Dave? So I played it in mod in modern. Yes. So there is a person who I've seen on Twitter a number of times. His name is Dylan Cruz. I think he was an SCG grinder back during that whole kind of era, of course. And Dylan posted a, and he streams now, also a web designer, so shout out to my fellow Figma people. (laughs) And he posted a deck about children. Mm -hmm. Go on. And I don't know how to talk about this deck. (laughs) Uh, He posted a new version today. Oh, that I didn't get a chance to play. But here's the idea. The idea is get Shieldred out. Or Liliana's Caress. or And Liliana's Caress. You kind of want them both. Or Waste Knot. Yeah. Why not? As well. And you get to lean into cards like Burning Inquiry to make your opponent discard cards. Wheel of Fates. Yeah. And the big mega, mega play is Bloodbraid Marauder with its Delirium activated wheeling you into cascading you into wheel of fate when you have shouldered <laughs> out you make your opponent discard five cards they draw a new hand you draw a new hand and then you make them discard more cards with burning inquiry and things like that and the new version that dylan posted so the original version that dylan posted had like 
hollow one in it. Yes. And stuff like that. We're trying to be a little more balanced. Like cycle, cycling spells, like uh, Street Wraith and Architects of Will were in it as well. So Architects was in it. Street Wraith was not the one that I got to play, but the list that Dylan posted today, this so Monday, September 12th this morning, has Street Wraith in it as well, which makes a ton of sense. It also has Dark Deal in it, which is Windfall. Oh, yeah. Kind of. This is a card that I forgot existed. Each player discards all the cards in their hand, then draws that many cards minus one. Um, yeah. Why wow. not? I mean, I saw Poker's Wizard play this against Minguchi. Like, you know, that's a that's just a noted MTG player, Poker's Wizard. So, so here's the thing. You said why not, and I say because <laughs> this was really bad when I played this deck. Like, no. No shade on Dylan, who I know is a really good player. Maybe maybe he's getting something to work here that I, I was very unable to have it work. But um, for me, it was really hard to get Shieldred up. Like the whole the whole deck, at least in the version I was looking at, like Hollow One is a threat that is just sadly not really appropriate for modern at this point. It's really easy to kill. It's not. You can't put as much stock into a single 4-4 and think that it's going to get you there in modern the way that it used to, or even two of them the way that it used to. If you're going to win with two Ophi 4-4s, just play Rhinos. It's way more consistent. Yeah. But then what would happen is you get Shieldred into play, and so many things in modern can kill Shieldred so easily that it was just like every time I played it, it just died. And there's no, there's no protection in this deck at all. So trying to craft wins other than Shieldred was kind of where we were at. And then you have all these hands where it's like, well, I have Liliana's Caress and a Manamorphose and a Burning Inquiry. <laughs> and that's kind of like all that I have, you know? Yeah, so it's like, a, it's so, like a burn deck that runs out of gas. Yeah. So I thought this, this deck was cool. I might give this new version that he posted today a little bit of a spin just to see if it's interesting. But, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know about the potential there going down this road. It is interesting to see somebody trying to finally trying to put some work into making Bloodbraid Marauder work. Which, if you for, don't remember Bloodbraid Marauder, it has delir. It is a from Modern Horizons two to generic and a red for a three three one that says um, delirium. If you have delirium, this card has cascade. Yeah, which we thought which would do cool. something. Yeah, yeah, to see a two a two CMC cascade card, and you know, Burning Inquiry. And like your self-discard cards, your cycling cards, like uh, Architects of Will, they help you turn on Delirium. So all this stuff makes sense. It's just, wow, that I have a hard time actually setting up the turns to have them happen. And it, it kind of reminded me, too, about what it used to be like to play with Wheel of Fortune, which was sometimes Wheel of Fortuning was just the best thing that could happen to your opponent in the world. Because if you Wheel of Fortune, when they have very few cards in hand, they're just thrilled because now they have a new... They just drew five cards for free. Yeah, I. This is like a meme deck, but let your memes be dreams, my friends. You know what else used to be a meme deck? Yeah, Cascade Rhinos, uh, Hollow One, uh, uh, Hammer Time. Hammer Time was kind of a meme. That's true. Yeah, I mean, there's maybe something here. So keep iterating, have some fun, play your waste knots, play your Liliana's caresses, play Burning Inquiry because it's a really annoying card. Let's talk about a card we I missed on, I think, and and it is Phoenix Chick. This is showing up in three mono red aggro decks on Sunday the fourth, four mono red aggro decks on Saturday the tenth. These aren't even like Torbern decks. 
so maybe I'm just wrong here. Like I'm surprised that a one, one haste flyer for one is there, but maybe it's doing enough. And I, I think the real thing it's doing that is enough is that it removes any reliance on two drop creatures. Like you're no longer playing like your Kari Zevs or anything like that. And what they can now do is play Obosh as a companion. So that opens up a big window here, I think. Like it's a real appealing option for the the Godfather Harbargers out there who just want to play Obosh. I mean, I love Obosh, but like I just it's is this type of deck good and it's, it's apparently like, good enough, man. There's it's all over the challenges. So I'm looking at the list right now. I mean, it is it is a lot like a burn deck, right? It's got your skewer the critics, it's got play with fire, it's got wild slash, so you've got ten burn spells. Yeah in the deck. It's got Kamano faces Kakazan. I mean, one thing that's cool about this is that you can um, you can go Kamano into Phoenix Chick and make that, a flyer that's bigger. That's very cool. I think like that's, right? a, that's a good option. Good opening for some powerful turn two plays. Dub- double one drop, one being a 2-2 two, two hasty flyer. Sweet. Yeah. So I think that's that's there's some good stuff to that. Four Chandra dressed to kill. I love this card. Yeah, it's fun. You know, I, I I really was trying to get enough time time set aside to take this deck through a little bit too, because you know when when Pioneer we kind of restarted our interest in Pioneer, we you you and Stan were playing a lot of mono red. We thought there was going to be a really good mono red deck, and it's yeah. been very much kind of tier tier two. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree for the duration. Yeah, I think this is. I'm I'm curious to get this. I mean, Phoenix Chick is a dirt cheap card. It's like you know, it's an uncommon, so I'm fine with it, and it's cute too. So you know, get all the cute uncommons that are out there, and just start playing some some mono red. I mean, look, I'm not schooled enough in Pioneer to be good with Rakdos. I think like the, you know the the Nykthos, like Rampy style decks are. Uh, have their own unique play styles that I don't know if I like anymore. So I might just be a mono red mage again. I have to say, I mean, Rakdos is, I'm not saying that Rakdos is easy to play, but I do think that Rakdos in pioneer is much easier than Jund was ever to play in modern for what it's worth. Like I, I've had reasonable results with Rakdos mid in pioneer and I'm terrible. (laughs) (laughs) terrible at this game um so i think that you could pick up rectos like skill level wise if you wanted to sure. but also this deck looks sweet and it's full of cards that we like yeah i love so i love casting these why cards not? I mean, it's, it's like you know just play with cards you like casting i think that's kind of that's what i figured out in the past like three to four months is just play with cards i like and hopefully the deck's good enough and sometimes they come together and they are speaking of cards i like dave okay jaya fiery negotiator so, I have to tell you something. Yeah, I pre-ordered two cards from Dominaria. <laughs> or two. Do you of them. want? Do you know what the two cards are? Okay, um, Jaya Fire Negotiator and Phoenix Chick. Not Phoenix. Chick. Okay. No, go ahead. Leyline Leyline Binding. Yeah, it's a good. That's a good pre-order. So those are the two cards that I pre-ordered because I was worried that Leyline Binding was going to get get crazy expensive, and then Jaya looked sweet yeah. and the full art ones were only like nine dollars a piece yeah, sure. so i just got a play set i mean she's like fine i mean like gold to noted grinder running her in the sideboard of is it phoenix and that's performing well in challenges not a lot of other people are doing that how how many two I think one? two i think okay and then more interestingly perhaps on sunday the 11th uh l1xo 
got 10th place with a mono red deck that's just playing three Jaya. So maybe that's the start of something uh, there as well. Interesting option there. So what did that mono red deck look it like? It looked was just it a like a red like mid range burn deck. It just had like it had like maybe ten spells, which I do not see as honestly enough. But you know, no, this is so this is just literally mono red aggro. It's like Swift Spear, Soul Scar Mage, Eidolon, Kari Zev, Bone Crusher Giant. It's that you know, play with fire, Spike Field Hazard, Lightning Strike, Kamana faces Kakazan, Fable the Mirror Breaker, and then three Jaya Fire Negotiator. So, this so is like not? the slightly bigger version of the deck that we were just talking about with Phoenix Chick in it. Like the Phoenix Chick deck does not have Eidolon in it. It doesn't have Fable in it, but it has, or carries Zev, like you said, but it has the rest of these cards, basically. Not Lightning Strike. Uh, it's got Critics. But yeah. it's a similar, sh- it's just like a slightly bigger version of it. Yeah, it's kind of surprising that this deck doesn't run like Skewer the Critics because like you get to trigger your prowess creature with you know your, the monks you're creating with Jaya. So maybe Jaya is here just for other stuff where it's like the, the prowess monk can be cool for stickiness, but maybe it's going to just do other stuff. Maybe it just wants the card advantage from the minus one or, you know, or doing damage with a minus two. Who knows? But I love to see it. Yeah. It's not, you know, again, it's, it's not, a, not a new format staple, I don't think, but I think it's a, a cool option and I love cool options. So let's talk about some other cool options as we close this yeah. close this episode out. Mm, I mean, Anointed Peacekeeper is like there. It's like a, showing up in the main deck of Mono White Humans list and Pioneer, another piece of their disruption and a 3-3 body and another option for your White Humans deck. Why not? And then the last one is we made a lot of noise about the Painlands a couple of weeks ago or had a lot of discussion about them. Yeah. Where are they going? Nothing too exciting. Like Sulphurous Spring is like a one or a two of in Rakdos mid. It's like a four of in Rakdos sack, which is really what we called. So cool. Good for us. We, we saw, we saw the, the use. Uh, Articar Waste is in Azoria Spirits, which is showing up in some of the challenges. The fourth place on, I think, last Saturday's challenge. So sweet. And then Carplusen Forest, Carplusen, Carplusen, uh, in some Carplusen, some gruel aggro Carplus, builds. Carplus Tunnel Syndrome is yeah. brutal. It's you, you know, use some wrist wrist guards. Uh, some of these gruel aggro builds are just like red with the Tarkas commands. Some are kind of more novel builds that are using more gruely creatures uh, with you know like some combat celebrant type stuff where it's like you get multiple attack steps. I think I don't know if that's exactly the card or not. I'm just kind of shooting from the hip there. But yeah, they're there. And I think we'll see the other uh, two? No, other... Yeah. Do we get two more, Dave? We're going to get two more new ones. That's correct. Yeah. The uh, Selesnia. Oh, sorry. No, we're going to get one more new one. The Selesnia one and the um, the red-white one. No, we have Battlefield Forge already. Yeah. It's Selesnia it and... Yeah, the Underground River one. Yeah, so that is Demir. two. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, these are useful cards um, in some way, shape, or form. So sweet. But... You know, so that we talked about, I think a lot of the places these cards are showing up, uh, just, you know, spotted some deck lists at you and things like that. But Dave, what do you, uh, have you, you since it seems like you've been playing more pioneer than modern lately. So I don't know if you have any opinions on like Leyline binding or anything like that, that we've been talking about. Uh, I mean, the opinion that I have on Leyline binding is that you should get your play set and hope that it's not going to go crazy price wise. Yeah, it's like I mean, it is just now. a rare. Yeah, I mean that's that's less than I pay. I paid nine for mine, but I, you know I buy from Card Kingdom, so I buy from like a mainline retailer. Yeah. So you're always going to pay extra Card for that. Card Kingdom, get at us. 
Yeah. I got lucky. I we got I, I got mine from uh, Star City Games for five bones each. So yeah. I'll take it. And so I that's the the main thought that I have about that particular card is just it's about to get out of out of hand in some it's, ways. Uh, it's just good. Like, you know, cheating cheating on mana. Always good. The the cost that you pay is is no longer in many decks a significant cost. So I think that there are decks that really want it. Like uh, the Rhinos community is definitely I don't know if it's solidifying around four and five color builds, but I think that a lot of players that I know play a lot of the deck and like the the Discord there um, seem like they're really bought in to the concept of like the five the five color build, and I like it a lot. For what it's worth, it's up to twelve seventy five on Goldfish already which means it's probably 15 dollars from card kingdom at this point would be my guess but yeah i don't know yeah grab it it's a good card if you want to play decks with this card just um, you, if you haven't already purchased it probably do so speaking of cards that i can't wait to purchase uh liliana the veil is like the full art one which i think looks great is like 33 dollars on tcg so i'm all I, I definitely have to buy a copy or two because i'll tell you what don't be surprised if we uh, start talking a little bit more about Rakdos Scam in the coming weeks. It's a, a deck that's performing, and I want to cast all those cards, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as outside of you know my thoughts, so number one, Leyline Binding, I want to play it. I'm going to come back to it. I think I'm going to, God help play me, creativity. I, I think play I am going to come back into creativity again since I've tried so many times and done badly with it. And also, um, friend of the show, Zach Ryle, reached out on Twitter and said that he would co-do a league with me at some point, like I could do a ride along with Ooh. him. So that might be a fun stream that we could get to someday when Zach has time. I know he's kind of busy in the evenings right now, which is when I'm available, but I think we could work that out. It could be fun, fun to learn from the master. You know, he was one of the first people to try creativity decks originally way back, uh, even 18 months ago. So, um, you know, he's been on it for a while. That would be good to learn. I certainly want to pick up goblins and try it in modern that's probably the first thing that's on my mind as far as decks that i would want to try and try and learn again it seems like it's got become gotten such an improvement off of hunt master that that's on my short list as well so if you think about the two decks i want to try in modern other than dylan cruz's sweet <laughs> wheel of fortune deck one <laughs> one last time it's probably creativity and goblins for fun yeah um i own creativity in paper i could play i have played it in paper i don't own goblins i probably won't be doing that anytime soon but i would love to try it online yeah i think what about you yeah rhinos I mean, and what i need more reps with uh five color rhinos i just want to keep going at it keep seeing what people are doing and just get my you know my head wrapped around the mana sequencing and the card sequencing and how i feel about sign of draco and cards like that i i think that you know it's it's super easy and super fast just to like pick up uh, red and pioneer and just run it through some some leagues i i have not been exposed to pioneer much lately so i'd like to do that especially as we get closer and closer to the impending dream hack atlanta in november i imagine the uh, last chance qualifiers will probably be in pioneer if the format's pioneer uh so almost I, definitely yeah, yeah. i, I want to have some pioneer reps under my belt uh, over the next coming months because before we know it we'll be in atlanta you know what? Atlanta is around the time of. Go ahead. Our 200th episode. Ooh. Ooh. I see some synergy. Just some, some pointing out some foreshadowing and some synergy, everybody. So it'll be, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting timing. That's all I can say. No wonder we took that week off last week. It wasn't for our own mental health. It was to make things perfectly aligned. 
alignment binding. Perfect. All right, Dave. Uh, I'm glad that we had a nice, tidy little like 80 minute episode. Gave Stan the week off. He needed it. And hopefully you all enjoyed this first view into the world of Dominaria United. And I'm sure we'll see a lot more of these cards in the coming weeks. And we will be here talking about them. But I think that wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to the pod. You get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. If you use Apple Podcasts, like we said before, leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Uh, Tell us what you think about us and what you like about us. And then we can keep doing that more often. If you want to submit a question to us, reach out. You can tweet at us uh, at the dive down, all one word. You can email the dive down at gmail.com. If you want to support us, help keep us going, uh, help us know that you like what we're doing. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. As we said, we are now shipping those sweet deck boxes. You can probably see some photos on Twitter and probably our website soon, right, Dave? We should get pictures of our swag up there. You know, we should put on the website. We could put, uh, I bet I could put a Twitter feed up there that would show images and stuff like that if we wanted to. Yeah. Um, but that would be fun. Uh, but yes, if you got a deck box from us recently, please post it on Twitter and tag us. We would love to see it. We would love to be able to share that with people. We're excited that we finally got this out. It was a journey. It took nearly <laughs> a year, as you all know. Um, and yeah, and please check out the divedown.com. We're going to start. You know, we're trying to keep all of this information there. So it's one place for you to go check out whatever's going on with us right now. Uh, of course, thanks, Mana Traders, for sponsoring the Dive Down. Uh, you can sign up for your first two months, 10% off using the promo code the Dive Down 15, all one word. Is it the Dive Down 15? Not Dive Down 15? Man, I just, I'm suddenly it, doubting myself. It's... The dive down. It's always 15. been the dive down fifteen. Yeah. There you go. Of course, get some amazing shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, and more at Barrister and Man using code the dive down fifteen for fifteen percent off your first order. Save money at paper cards over at Nerd Rage Gaming. Use code dive eight for eight percent off your order. As always, thanks nowhere. Thanks Space Blood for letting us use your music for four years ish. And until next week, get out there and cast Leyline Binding.